Today is a special day in the life of our church because it's Homecoming Sunday, it's Promotion Sunday for our children as they go to their next, uh, their next classroom. Today is an historic day in the life of our church because after this service, we will uh, go to the South Lawn that way um, and we will break ground on a new building uh, to expand our children and family ministries and to uh, build a beautiful new multi-use chapel. Today we are also uh, starting this series called Stories of Jesus, and so in the coming weeks we're going to look at stories that Jesus told and stories about Jesus, who he was, what he did, how he lived, and what we can learn from that, how we can be challenged and inspired by that. And today we start with a fitting parable found in Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the parable of the wise and foolish builder. I have a number of friends in this town who build houses. And if you haven't noticed, there have been a lot of houses built in Nashville in recent years. And there continues to be a number of houses being built. One house goes down, two or three or sometimes four houses go up. Uh, the statistics say that Nashville welcomes roughly 100 new people every single day, uh, which makes for a great traffic situation, if you haven't noticed, but that's what they tell us. But if you talk to somebody who builds houses, they will tell you that one of the most important things to get right is the foundation. The foundation of a house must be solid, flat, and the house must be firmly attached and fixed to that foundation. If there's something wrong with the foundation, it will lead to a serious problem or set of problems down the road. Now, one of the most expensive parts of this new building that we're going to build is the foundation. <laughs> because in the coming weeks, we're going to dig into a hillside and digging into limestone in Nashville, Tennessee in 2019 is not cost effective. It is expensive. And I've discovered that in recent months. But here's the good news. Once we dig into that hillside and once we carve out the footprint for this new building, we know that it will be built on a solid foundation. All the work that will go in initially will get that foundation ready for construction and for a new structure. You have to have a solid foundation on which to start. The same is true in our lives. Jesus knew how important the foundations are, and so he gives us this parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So here's my main question, my primary question for you this morning. It's a question I want you to think about, not just today, but in the days ahead. It's a question that matters. 
What is the foundation upon which you are building your life? What are your priorities? What is most important to you? What is it that anchors you in the midst of life's greatest storms? There was an article that appeared a few weeks ago that really caught my attention. I read lots of articles uh, pretty much every day, but this one really stood out to me. It was written in The Federalist, and it was after the El Paso and the Dayton shootings. And the title of it was, We Killed God, Family, and Community, and Now It's Killing Us. Here's some of what the author said. We have created a society that now offers none of the things that make people truly happy. Family, community, and spiritual belonging. These are the foundational and primal building blocks of human happiness, and they are rapidly disappearing. With the destruction of the family, the church, and the community, the reasons that people have traditionally had for their very uh, existence are in danger of now receding into the past. And the outcome is predictable. Isolation, depression, anxiety, despondency, drug abuse, and death. Now you might think that that sounds a little bit dramatic, but I'm gonna tell you it got my attention. The author concludes by saying, destroy the family, abandon the community, raise the church to the ground. What could go wrong? Everything. Everything. Let's talk about the basic foundations upon which we should be building our lives. Let's talk about the things that should matter most to all of us. The things that should be most important. First and foremost is faith. And if we are Christians, and that means knowing Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is the solid foundation that will hold us in the midst of the storms. He's the one that we're called to follow. Let's remember the context of this parable in Matthew's gospel. This is found in Matthew chapter 7, towards the end of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus has just concluded his sermon on the mount. What does Jesus talk about in the Sermon on the Mount? He talks about the blessed life, the happy life, the fulfilled life. He talks about being salt and light. He talks about the dangers of anger and judgment. He talks about the problem of lust and adultery. He talks about retaliation, turning the other cheek, and loving our enemies. He talks about the importance of prayer, and he actually gives us a specific prayer to pray. He talks about money and materialism and how it can so quickly become a false god in our culture, how people can become consumed with money and status and wealth. He tells us not to worry, not to live our lives in fear. He gives us the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can you imagine what the world would be like if the golden rule was golden to everybody. He talks about what it means to bear good fruit and to not deceive ourselves. Self-deception is a real challenge. So after saying all of this, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them 
will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So let's get even more specific this morning. In a world of arrogance and power and narcissism, we're called to be humble. In a world where we can get angry and frustrated about so many things, we're called to control our anger and not lash out at people. In a world of infidelity, where relationships often fall apart, we're called to guard against lust and build up trust. In a world where we often want to retaliate and get even, we're called to turn the other cheek and forgive. In a world where people despise and resent each other, we're called to love our enemies and, and pray for those who persecute us. In a world of superficial faith and piety, where, frankly, in the Bible Belt, lots of people are really good at talking the Christian talk, we're called to pray in secret and to not showcase and showboat. In a world where the focus is always on money and stuff and how much we can accumulate, we're called to worship God and God alone. In a world where people can literally worry themselves to death, we're called to not fear and to trust in God. In a world where people are judged based on how they look or what they have, we're called to know their heart. For Christians, Jesus Christ, what he said, what he did, how he lived, is the foundation upon which we're called to build our lives. Secondly, the second foundation is family. So many problems in our culture today can be directly traced back to the breakdown of the family. And that, my friends, is not a political talking point. That is simply a harsh reality. Every January, many of you know that I preach a, a sermon actually on this text where I, I list my core beliefs and I challenge you to think about your core beliefs and they probably stay the same from year to year but maybe there's a new one that resonates with you but one of the things that I share is that I believe in marriage, home, and family life. I have a nine-year-old daughter was just diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes this summer, so we're living into that. I have two sons, a 7-year-old and a 3-year-old. Uh, he'll start preschool here tomorrow in the 3-year-old class. Uh, I had them by myself this weekend, so it's been very interesting for the last couple of days. But for our family, life is busy. Family life is not easy, but it's important. Somebody once said, you know, the days are long, but the years are fast. And I find that to be incredibly true. Home and family life is the greatest source of love, support, and joy in this world. But not everybody gets to experience this. The quality of your home and family life is one of the most important factors in determining your faith and your outlook on the world. And I've always been convinced that children who are born into healthy and happy families grow up speaking love as their native language. They first feel that love at home, and then they go and they show that love and they live that love out in the world. And every family has issues and problems and drama. Your family is not unique if you're thinking that it is, but real family is where you're loved and cared for, where you can always go and feel welcome no matter what. But not everybody has a good family life. And yes, divorce happens and heartache is real, so we must pick each other up if things go bad and, and when tough times come, but helping people form healthy marriages and healthy family lives grounded in the love of Jesus Christ is one of the most important things that the church can do. 
And so we want to do everything that we can to support families here, to lay the foundation for the rest of the children's lives. When we started, or when I, I guess when I started, but I say we started because it's a team, 12 years ago, we may have had 15 or 20 kids sitting up here on the steps. And now you can see what that looks like, and there's a whole other service going on downstairs. We have to take this challenge of raising and nurturing not just our children, but all of these children, we have to take that seriously. And so this fall, we're going to offer a series on the Enneagram and relationships. We're going to offer parenting classes in October with Daystar. If you've never been to hear Daystar, you should come and hear them. David Thomas, Sissy Goff, they're phenomenal. We're going to have small groups and Sunday school classes, uh, children's programming. We believe that all of this is essential for the welfare and health of our society. So many of the problems that we face today, from poverty to gangs to education issues to drugs to gun violence, can all be traced back to the breakdown of the family. So moms and dads and grandparents need to realize what an important role you play in the lives of these children even though it's not always easy, especially when your spouse is out of town. <laughs> Supporting families and children and youth is some of the most important work that we will do here at Woodmont. The third foundation upon which we should be building our lives is friendship and community. Here's the reality, at least as I see it. In American culture, we have become hyper-connected through our digital devices and at the same time, we have also become incredibly lonely and even isolated. As we have found a way to keep track of all of our friends from high school to growing up to college to grad school to, to everybody, we have a hard time walking across the street uh, to meet our neighbor. My uh, late friend, Will Kime, used to say that we have a best friend in Guam, but we don't know our neighbor. That's a problem. Study after study has proven that people today feel lonely and disconnected. Why? Some of this is because people are simply too busy, and we talked about busyness last week. But busy doing what? Are we accomplishing more? Some people are too superficial, and they have their guard up, so you can't get beneath the surface. But we all long for deeper connections. We all long for deeper meaning. That's what life is all about. So life groups at Woodmont are important. If you've never been in a life group, then fill out the insert in your bulletin and let's get you in one. Or better yet, you start one and we'll empower you to do that. We love life groups and we're always starting new ones on a regular basis. You can talk to Anne-Marie Farmer about that. But we have to be intentional about making these connections in life a priority. And yet at the same time, we also have to be intentional about not overbooking our family and our schedule. We have to make time for the people that matter most, but we have to agree at the same time that we can't do everything, even though sometimes we want to. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, then how can its saltiness be restored? Christianity is a religion that acknowledges our interdependence on each other. We need each other. We were not created to live alone. Go back to the Genesis story. Think about that. But cultivating relationships and cultivating friendships cannot simply be left to chance. 
So this week, I challenge you to work on a relationship in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a friendship that's drifted or, or, or you've neglected for a while. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your children. But please recognize that we cannot and we should not live our lives alone. Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I can tell you that some of the most meaningful times that I have in the ministry, as much as I love to preach, as much as I love to teach and counsel and lead, some of the most meaningful moments that I have happen in the small groups that I'm a part of. Men's Bible study on Wednesday morning, life groups uh, that Megan and I are part of, uh, other groups that I get the chance to lead because that is where connection is formed. That is where relationships are formed. And as Woodmont has grown larger, we have realized at the same time we must also grow smaller and closer through life groups and Bible study and Sunday school classes. Lastly this morning, the fourth and final foundation upon which we should be building our lives, I believe, is service. Because service of others is the best way to move beyond self. And we have a culture now that is way too focused on self. It's called the culture of the big me, is the phrase that David Brooks chose. Go volunteer for Fall Hamilton Elementary School. Be a reading buddy. Be a lunch buddy. Go serve the National Food Project over in the nations and help feed the hungry of our city. Go on a trip to Morgan and Scott. Those are the two poorest counties in the state of Tennessee, and we send groups up there about three or four times a year. Go to Guatemala. I think there might be one or two more spots on the November trip available, and I promise you, if you block that week off and you go, it'll change your life in a way that you could never have imagined before. Do something in your life to serve other people. Go help in the kids' Sunday school. Be a youth sponsor. I could go on and on with the opportunities, but it's up to us to make a decision to go and serve and give back. Daryl Guter was one of my professors at Princeton. Donovan had him, other people had him, but he talked and he preached and he wrote about the missional life. And we're called to be missional. We're called to live missional lives where we go and embody the love of Christ out in the world, out in the community, and not just within the walls of the church. Jesus said, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. We don't have to do everything, but we need to pick something. Pick something where you can make a difference, where you can give back, where you can help others. And as important as giving money is, and of course the church will always take your money, giving your time and your talents is maybe even more important in this world in which we get so booked up and so overcommitted. Faith, family, friends and community, service. This is the foundation upon which we are called to live our lives and build our lives. Jesus said, if you can build your life on the rock, then when the storms of life come, and remember, it's not if the storms of life come, it's when the storms of life come, because they come for everybody. When the storms of life come, your house will stand because it was built on the rock. It was built on a solid foundation and not on shifting sand. So let's do that.
Let's help each other do that. If I ask you this morning to reflect upon your life and to tell me based on your time and your resources and your money, what are the three most important things in your life? Not what are the three things that you want to be the most important. What are the three most important things in your life? What would you say? And is there something on that list that needs to be moved down because you realize that it's taken the place of something else that should be far more important? Well, now's the time to make that change. Amen.